Date on Kubernetes Community, live stream number 146. Extra excited about this one. We've got an awesome guest today with us who's going to be sharing all about open feature, CNCF Sandbox project that is absolutely rocking it when it comes to making features a commodity. And what is exactly does that mean? We're going to figure that out from the perspective of developer experience, also with a bit of stateful knowledge in there, APIs, SDKs, all that kind of good stuff. Our speaker is no stranger to the cloud native world, the continuous delivery world, the Jenkins world, and many other worlds. Uh, without further ado, Captain, we got lots of other things going on too. Um, but I would like to welcome to the stage, Oleg. It is a pleasure to have you with us today. How are you doing? Yeah. Hi, thanks a lot for inviting me. And uh, yeah, I'll try to match uh, Bart's level of energy today. Uh, so I'll try to speak as fast. Uh, but it's, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you're probably right. That's a good reminder for me to probably take a deep breath and slow down because we don't want to rush things too much. That being said, folks, um, we do want to get our a reminder in here that our CFP is open for DOK Day. Um, that will be on October 24th. I had the pleasure of getting to know Oleg actually in the last in the last KubeCon um, in Valencia, and this is once again showing the power of community, whether we're online or offline. That being said, just going to leave the link for our CFP that is open. We've got lots of talks that are coming in. If you're interested in giving a talk, please reach out on Slack. We'd be happy to hear your ideas, help you brainstorm. Um, but take a look at the CFP. And, and like I said, let us know if you're interested in giving a talk. That being said, though, Oleg, can you just give us a little bit of background about who you are, how you got into the cloud native world? And then we can see what we're going to be looking at today in your talk. Okay, uh, so I'll probably uh, start from sharing my yeah. screen because as many speakers, I put the uh, intro slides there. Good stuff. But, um, yeah. So as you can see, I'm doing the presentation from Windows today, uh, prepared to some interesting moments. And yeah, do you see my screen? Yep, looks great. Okay. Um, yeah, so yeah, today we are talking about open feature. It's one of the projects I'm participating in. And yeah, it's about standardizing uh, open uh, feature flag management. And as I usually say, making feature flags as commodity, because I came from CICD world where we try to make everything as commodity and uh, feature flags should be uh, them too. Okay, just uh, brief dive to the history. Actually, I come from hardware space. I started as hardware engineer, uh, especially hardware verification and test automation. Um, and yeah, I have a PhD degree in hardware. And actually, this is uh, the first ever feature play uh, I uh, had experience with this jumper, which you can see on pretty much every board. Uh, uh, sorry for the background noise. Uh, it's all software. good. It's all good. Sharing yeah. is caring. This is good. It makes yeah, things human. Uh, I love it. Yeah, I guess he enjoys whatever cartoon right now. Okay. Uh, so, um, yeah, about jumpers. Uh, uh, this is a way to manage uh, hardware. Usually you can change uh, the position. If you do it uh, by your hands or by something, something not, not conducting, then it's perfectly fine. If you use kissers for that, uh, most likely you will also do smoke testing in parallel. Uh, but yeah, this is how we used to do it in hardware and it was quite handy. Obviously with modern uh, tech, it changed. Um, okay, about myself. Um, I joined the open source world in 2012. Actually, I became a committer in the Jenkins project. How it happened? Uh, yeah, when we do hardware testing and test automation, you need proper tools and uh, test uh, and uh, uh, frameworks for automation. 
So I started using Jenkins. Uh, well, then I started fixing bugs. So then I somehow ended as a Jenkins core maintainer. Uh, well, that happens. Um, and actually, in my projects in Jenkins and in Atlas, uh, I've been using quite a lot of uh, feature flags, as probably all of you, because uh, if you use system properties in Java, if you check environment in your Golang code, uh, you, to some extent, already use feature flags. Um, nowadays, I work um, at Dynatrace and its open source program office. Uh, there, um, I work on Captain. It's one of the projects which has been already presented at uh, data on Kubernetes meetups. It's uh, a, a tool for managing uh, cloud native applications and managing lifecycle of that. It's been driven on observability, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And uh, yeah, I also help uh, with open feature project. Uh, uh, my main activities today is just helping with community, governance, CNCF relations, and all stuff like that. I also helping the team because there is a new governing board. Uh, uh, nobody had experience with governance before, and I help with that. I've been uh, on Jenkins governance board for something like uh, three years by now. I am at TOCG and the CD Foundation, and all this bureaucracy is actually quite exciting to me. Uh, so life happens. Okay, uh, some bits about Dynatrace OSPA. Uh, so Dynatrace actually is quite an active contributor in open source world. Uh, we are top four contributor to open telemetry project and we also participate in many other projects and foundations. And uh, uh, we believe that uh, open source standards is actually one of the ways uh, to grow the ecosystem and to ensure interoperability um, in this ecosystem. So apart from open telemetry, which is also observability standard, uh, we also started a project called Coupon Feature. I will be talking about it today. And we also contributed to CD events. It's a project in the CDF based on cloud events. And yeah, we do quite a lot of other engagements, activities, and open source ecosystem. So if you see a Dynatrace submitting a patch, it's probably one of the results of Dynatrace OSPO work because uh, we try to make it easier to thousands of engineers we have in the company. Okay, let's uh, go back to the talk. Um, I will briefly talk about what feature flag is, just in case. Um, then we will talk about open feature. I will show. Uh, a live demo, and then we will talk about what's next in the project and uh, do a deep dive and its roadmap and talk how you could participate in this project if you're interested. Okay, so let's start. One thing I forgot to mention, these slides are already public, so I guess Bart could uh, uh, share a link uh, in the YouTube channel so that everyone could access it. Uh, that's why all the links, etc., they are public, and you can navigate them. Yep, we'll share that link right now. Okay, thank you. Yep. Okay, so what are the feature flags? I have already shown you a jumper, but of course in open source there are many other implementations. Um, but uh, the idea is quite simple. It's a value that can be checked and this value defines a behavior or a state of your application it can be used uh, for different uh, use cases so for example preview features you want to deliver something new for example dark theme for your application or whatever custom behavior custom control um, and you can uh, hide this uh, behavior under feature flag so that uh, you can enable it or disable based on some conditions. 
You can use it for various kinds of A-B testing. So what we see a lot with SAS services these days when you roll out uh, just one version of application, but uh, based on your location or based on your username or whatever, you have different behavior. The company can collect uh, the feedback, experiences, can monitor that and then decide how to proceed and what feature actually uh, roll out. Then uh, various kinds of progressive delivery and uh, sometimes uh, even settings are considered feature flags. Because if you have settings in your application, it's also a kind of runtime configuration, it's context, uh, and uh, it could be connected to feature flag management. Um, a few logistics things. So uh, there is no unified terminology for feature flags. So again, uh, some people consider settings as feature flags, some people not. But generally, feature flag can be a temporary, a short term, long term. So the idea that uh, you deliver it, you evaluate uh, the feature you delivered, and then you basically remove this feature flag and get it as a part of your application, if everything is fine. Or permanent, it's just whatever trigger that alters the behavior, like some kind of advanced feature, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, feature flags can be runtime. So when your application uh, runs, uh, every time you can check, change the value and uh, the application reacts accordingly. Or it can be just defined on the startup especially in older applications. And uh, there is common uh, misconception that feature flag is only a Boolean thing. And actually, it's not correct. Feature flag can have a value. It can be even string or whatever. It depends on your application, use cases, and uh, your needs. Let's take a look at a few examples. So one example uh, is rather modern. Uh, I believe everyone is a GitHub user, and in GitHub you can go to the uh, top right uh, side, uh, click on your profile, and click uh, Feature Preview button. And now you can see three uh, features there: so command palette, colorblind themes, and also project migration for GitHub projects. And this uh, list uh, constantly changes, but ultimately it's a way for GitHub to evaluate new features and a way for GitHub to provide them. So it's a kind of uh, feature flag controlled from the web interface, uh, which you can try out and then decide whether you need it or not. Another example, um, I took how we do it in Jenkins. Uh, full disclaimer, it's not how you probably should do it in 2022. But uh, initially, if you have a Java application, you may have a system property. It's a natively supported way to pass various configurations in Java. So when you start the application, you can pass a value. And moreover, you can uh, change this value in runtime. For example, in Jenkins, if you use the system Groovy script, you can uh, also change the plug. And historically, we used this behavior to define the various uh, configurations. So there is a page uh, called system properties. I will be navigating uh, to my web browser quite often. And even if you take Jenkins core, it takes quite a while to scroll it. And you can see that some feature flags uh, have been uh, introduced quite old, uh, quite long ago, so they still have Hudson in the name. So the assumption that feature flags get removed, uh, it's not always true. Uh, why we use uh, these feature flags? Um, first of all, we try to um, uh, define some logic. So for example, we have Hudson lifecycle. It's a kind of system uh, flag uh, where we define how we want to start and stop changes. For example, it behaves differently on Windows, on Linux, inside the Docker containers. And uh, we can basically override this behavior if you want to enforce a particular one. 
Uh, we can also uh, define various security bypasses, like skip permission check, uh, makes your instance insecure, but nice for debugging. Uh, also, we have development flag that switches Jenkins into development mode. You can switch in the runtime if needed. And also there are various kinds like timeout, etc. Again, we have hundreds of these flags for all kinds of cases, but it's just a few examples how you could use feature flags. Um, and again, feature flags are not just tumblers. Actually, how it happens these days, uh, feature flags are usually evaluated. So instead of just a system property like we do in Jenkins or having a, a trigger, uh, you actually may have quite complex logic uh, that makes a decision of what uh, value to set based on a few conditions. So for example, uh, context may be based on your user. Uh, so you can enable feature for a particular user or for a group of users probably. It can be based, based uh, on location, on languages, on instance ID. It could be fully randomized if needed. And of course, it can be based on control plane inputs. So you can have a supervisor somewhere in your system that defines the value for your use case. Or it can be defined as a U by a user, for example, like I've presented um, in the GitHub example. So all of that are still feature flags. And all of that uh, have uh, um, uh, various implementations. So most of you probably tried out various feature flag libraries. And spoiler alert, there are many of them. Actually, there are dozens and hundreds just open source projects. There are many vendors providing enterprise solutions. And yeah, it happens for a reason, because everyone needs different things for different technologies. Um, uh, what uh, is general for them? Uh, mostly is the case are open source. So when you include, let's say, launch darkly or cloud based feature management or split, uh, all of them provide open source SDKs. So you can verify them, include them to your project, and then connect to external service uh, that manages feature flag, which is of course SaaS, proprietary, but uh, at least you can use it. And uh, the problem is that there are many technology-specific SDKs. And so if you do Java, if you do, do .NET, if you write in Golang, uh, every time you may need a separate SDK library. And uh, also there are many services. So basically it has a huge configuration explosion. Uh, and uh, uh, sometimes you are stuck to a single implementation. Uh, so, um, the problem with it, that the ecosystem for each particular implementation is limited. Uh, let's say your Kubernetes developer or Jenkins developer, would you go with a particular uh, feature flag implementation? Probably not because it's uh, still vendor uh, locked and uh, it has limited uh, capabilities and it's not uh, a default open source, for example, like open telemetry. Um, um, also, uh, sometimes implementations are not very uh, cloud native, they like uh, uh, needed features and they like observability and integration with other standards. So when we were looking uh, at Danatrace, uh, basically how our project started, we wanted to use uh, feature flag management for Danatrace platform itself. And we found no implementation that would suit our needs. And then uh, common uh, problem starts. So what do we do? Uh, yeah, I guess everyone has saw that, and we decided that we approach it common way. We want to create a new project, but uh, since uh, open database is dedicated to open standards, uh, we believe in open telemetry and company. We decided to try out the same with open feature, and this is actually how the project was born. Um, so we took a few assumptions. 
So yeah, we wanted to have open standards that would be vendor neutral and uh, uh, it could be adopted by everyone. We wanted to develop unified and open source APIs and SDKs so that everyone could just uh, reuse these components and uh, follow the standard. Um, and uh, we also want to provide cloud native implementation for management with control plane because uh, uh, Danatrace is all in Kubernetes. Our new slogan is uh, cloud done right. So we need something cloud native, of course. And uh, nevertheless, if you develop an open standard, you need vendors to adopt it. So supporting extensibility for commercial offering is of course a table state feature for that. So uh, there we are many discussions, implementations, and finally we decided to go with a public project, uh, which would be mostly focused on Kubernetes with reference implementation, uh, which would have open specification, and that uh, would have um, many implementations. And this is what is open feature is. So if you're interested uh, in open feature, so first, thanks a lot uh, for coming to this talk. And uh, if you go to open feature dev, you can find all the information and references. So all I will be presented today is more or less uh, linked from this website. Um, uh, but yeah, I want to provide some accept. Uh, so uh, what's uh, the main idea behind the project? Uh, you take, in your application, you take open feature SDK, which is open source. Uh, this open feature SDK also has adapter called provider that allows to integrate with particular vendor SDK if needed on client side, or it can be a standard implementation uh, which talks to external service and then you don't have any vendor specific code inside your application. And then it connects uh, either to external SaaS uh, vendor uh, service or to local uh, feature manager, and uh, you can uh, start using that. The project itself actually started just a few months ago. So we announced it at KubeCon in Valencia, but it started just two months before that. The thing that uh, even if it started uh, uh, just uh, once it started, we got so many interest from potential contributors and uh, vendors. And by now we have almost every feature flag vendor, open source or not, participating in the project. And uh, by now, so if you check the list, uh, there are companies like LaunchDart, Flagsmith, uh, CloudBees, PostHawk, et cetera, et cetera. So again, uh, this ecosystem is quite big and uh, all of them started integrating implementing the adapters and integrations. So the standard uh, is definitely something uh, they needed, firstly, because nobody wants to maintain dozens of SDKs and everyone wants uh, to get a better adoption and actually having open source standard, making uh, communication layer and feature flag itself a commodity is a way to do that. Um, moreover, the project uh, became officially a CNCF sandbox project in June. Uh, we applied, I believe, in April. Uh, in June, it was approved. So now it's a CNCF project. And of course, if you go to KubeCon um, in Detroit, you will be able to visit us. We are waiting for the uh, booth confirmation. But anyway, there are talks about feature flags. And of course, there will be a community there. Mm, I'll briefly glance uh, through uh, main parts of that. And first of all is uh, open specification. Open specification, uh, yeah, how it happens. It's a GitHub repository with all the information 
and uh, a bunch of JSON files and YAML files uh, defining the specification. Or moreover, there are some tools like specification parsers implemented in Python, just in case you want to integrate uh, with tooling for verification, etc. Somebody has already tried to create a verification tool for Visual Studio Code. And uh, there is a lot of information there, but basically we try to define what types uh, of feature flags are there, so for example, boolean, string, etc. And then uh, the format, how it's uh, being communicated um, uh, to users. So here, for example, in specification, you can see how flags are evaluated. So it shows actually what features are supported uh, and how they can process. Uh, how they can be processed. Uh, so there is a lot of requirements. So this specification is not fully complete. Uh, we haven't released yet, uh, but um, it's there. Also one of uh, choke points for us was of course evaluation context. So this is information uh, about uh, user session and uh, everything that is needed for feature flag uh, um, uh, decisions. And you can see that uh, there is a bunch of activities and uh, there is a bunch of issues. So how this work happens, uh, so there are some information about the better roadmap, what needs to be done before the specification is released. Uh, so if you are interested, you can participate. And uh, for engineers that uh, who already want to try it out, we also have uh, Playground. This is a repository which actually uh, contains various integrations and various uh, demos uh, you can try out uh, for SDKs. So it's Node.js. And uh, I will uh, show it later uh, how it actually works. Um, but uh, what, what I wanted to show is that already we have quite a lot of uh, integrations there and quite a lot of reference implementations. So, for example, tools like Split, CloudBees Feature Management, Parkda, LaunchDark, Go Feature Flag, all of them have. Uh, some reference implementations so that you can, which you can use and try out. And uh, members of these communities and these companies, so they participate in the project. So basically, this is why specification takes quite a while to complete because we have so many people trying it out and trying to reach consensus. You may have seen uh, the same example in, in open telemetry that stayed in sandbox, I believe, for two years in the CNCF. And uh, well, I think that it's good if you want to, to actually create uh, an open standard. So it will take a while until uh, it lands, uh, but uh, progress is being done. So again, uh, for those who want to try it out, we have several SDKs ready. So for Node.js, Java, Golang, .NET, .NET Framework, I believe starting from version 3.5. Also, there is a prototype implementation for Python, and we also have quite a demand in uh, other implementations. So if your language is not listed here, probably it's one of the ways to participate, actually uh, try it out and uh, implement something. You can see that uh, our roadmap here is not particularly awesome because we decided that everyone likes Golang. Uh, there are many Java contributors, Node.js contributors. Uh, there are also companies using .NET. But for example, there are no Ruby users. Uh, there is no users of many other languages, and there is definitely an opportunity to create something more. Hopefully, we will get there over time. But now, with specification being a moving target, we try to minimize the number of SDKs. So a few items about providers, and then I will make a quick stop to answer questions, if any, before we proceed with the demos, etc. 
So for providers, actually, we have quite a lot of them. I've shown some links in the demos. And actually, one thing I wanted to highlight, in addition to providers, uh, is that we also have our own solid project called FlagD. So FlagD is basically a reference implementation for feature flag management, which we have uh, right inside uh, our repository, and which is being developed uh, by several contributors, probably, you know, Alex Jones, uh, uh, he's one of the main drivers behind this project. So basically, it's a containerized service which exposes open feature API and interface uh, to which uh, everyone can connect and uh, request feature flag evaluation. One of the specifics for open feature is that we try to do feature flag evaluation on the server side when it's possible, because we believe that it makes the applications more light, uh, because you don't need to uh, inject all feature flag evaluation logic uh, into your application and re-deliver every time you need a new feature flag or a new condition. And based on this project, actually, we created Kubernetes native implementation. It's a curator which can inject a sidecar flag D container into your application. So how it works, uh, you have application which is open feature compatible, and uh, this operator uh, has a lot of configurations which are supplied uh, uh, by CRDs, of course. Uh, when uh, you submit new CRD with a big uh, configuration for your app, uh, it creates a container for flag D, which uh, interacts with the application uh, and uh, hence injects feature flag on that. So the, uh, the interesting part about that is that yeah, you can uh, instrument existing applications. We, it's quite good for debugging. Uh, and of course, if you manage Kubernetes applications at scale, uh, using operators uh, is one of the ways to actually uh, manage the things uh, these days. Last but not least, regarding features, we have embedded uh, open telemetry support, uh, like uh, uh, we require it in specification itself. We have standard for events and also in our reference implementations that we integrate by default. So when you do feature flags management evaluation, you also get full observability in uh, what the heck happens in your system, um, which is quite important if you have hundreds of flags with users and context. Uh, sometimes uh, feature uh, preview features, etc., lead uh, to bugs, which is why we do previews, one of the reasons. And hence, observability is super helpful when you want to troubleshoot what happens, especially when uh, there is influence of these configurations. Okay, uh, before I press it uh, with the demo, are there any questions? You know, just a, a couple quick questions. Yep. When it comes to starting open source project from scratch, getting that momentum going to get it to the point where you can say, all right, we want to get this in as a sandbox project for the CNCF. What are, what have been the biggest challenges about that? About you know whether it's about providing an offer that's attractive enough that folks are going to come and also that they're going to stay. I just say that for a lot of folks that are out there that are either starting an open source project or working on building it out, what recommendations might you give based on your experience with Open Feature? Okay, so Open Feature actually we kind of hit a. Uh, honey spot because uh, there was huge demand on the market on, uh, for feature flags and even vendors, even uh, vendors controlling, let's say, uh, significant parts of the market like LaunchDarkly, they immediately saw the value. So for us, when we were coming with open feature proposal, it wasn't just in-house project. We actually were modeling open feature and we, we were targeting building a collaboration uh, from the very beginning. 
So for us, actually applying to CNCF was rather natural, but when we applied to CNCF, we already had uh, more than 10 companies that started participating in the community. Uh, so for us, uh, uh, there are many kinds of open source. There are open source that uh, started as in-house development tools. For example, Jenkins started like that, Captain started like that. And usually these tools uh, struggle to get uh, uh, big adoption uh, among vendors. Uh, because uh, they are not really designed to be served as a product. But for open specifications uh, and for projects like open feature, which are basically low-level frameworks, uh, they can be designed for wide adoption. And if you manage to do that, if you manage to create interest among potential vendors and potential end users, then the project can uh, skyrocket. So we know that open telemetry is the fastest growing project in the CNCF. It grew something like 300% last year. Yeah. Hopefully with open feature, we could reach the same. Yeah. So this key idea for this kind of specification projects, find something that would be interesting for others and talk to right people. I think, it's a great, I think it's a great point. Like you said, is that it's a question of listening and understanding the value that's being provided, not just for a single organization, but that it's going to be providing benefits for others, just so that folks don't end up perhaps answering a question that nobody asked. We see that with some happening sometimes like interesting technology, but is that really being demanded? Is there a pain point out there that's being resolved? And like you said, in this case, given the interest from the very beginning, it was only a natural step then to take it to the CNCF. Uh, yes, exactly. So many projects apply to CNCF to improve their visibility. Uh, it can be a way, uh, but uh, if you want uh, to have a fast-growing open source project, uh, it should be uh, viable without any foundation. And um, yeah, this I wouldn't say that applying to CNCF or to any other foundation should be a mandatory step to make the project sustainable. Great points there. Appreciate it. Let's go to the demo. Okay. So before I do the demo, a fun fact about uh, Dino trees: we have green as our uh, color, so you can see a cup. <laughs> okay. Which is kind of fun. Yeah. Okay. So I wanted to show actually a big demo involving Jenkins, Kubernetes, and other things. But due to reasons beyond my control, today I'm doing the demo from my personal laptop that has 16 gigs of memory. And uh, as you know, if you use Zoom, uh, 16 gigs of memory is pretty much enough for Zoom. Um, so today I will be doing quite a, a minimized demo. Um, in uh, um, the project, we have a playground, which I have already presented. So here uh, we have um, a demo that uh, can be integrated with different projects. Uh, this demo is uh, based on Node.js. Uh, and if you want to follow this demo, you just follow these steps. You need um, NPM, Node.js, uh, Docker on your machine. And basically that's it. If you want uh, to follow, or if you want to implement later. Most likely yeah, you will be still waiting uh, for NPM CI to complete uh, uh, when we finish this presentation, because it's in PM, but yeah. So I'll show how it works. So this is a simple demo. Um, it has whatever front end with some emulation of user login. And actually there is some guidelines here which you can follow if you want, uh, which demonstrate various features of this demo. But uh, yeah, we'll just close this interface and show what we actually have. 
so this is um, uh, the application uh, which can uh, run on various devices, etc. And uh, this is our uh, file. Uh, it's a JSON, and actually this JSON is uh, uh, supplied by FlagD. So this is uh, the reference implementation uh, I was talking about. Uh, well, actually not FlagD, it's just support uh, supplied by API. So here we can edit um, uh, this file, and uh, yeah, we can just break this file, of course, to start uh, things. And this application actually takes uh, the data for this file. So uh, now we periodically pull uh, the application for uh, flag values. Um, and for example, here what you can see. So this is uh, this configuration is a part of uh, open feature specification. So here we have. Uh, um, uh, three controls, uh, new welcome message, which is currently uh, welcome to SaaS. Uh, this feature flag is disabled, so we don't manage that. Also, we have hex color for this control, and we have algorithm uh, for uh, what we use. So here for hex color, it's quite easy. So we have three variants, red, green, blue, yellow. So this is a part of the specification, and we have a default variant, which is blue. So here we have blue. Um, if we uh, change it to red, it takes some time and then uh, the interface changes. So basically what happened, uh, the API exposed this uh, configuration file, then our application took this uh, feature flag and uh, adjusted. So I will uh, go back to blue. Um, also, um, you can see that uh, there are some management things. Um, and uh, there are also various conditions. So there are rules that can be done based, uh, can be applied uh, based on different contexts. So for example, here in the configuration, we have context called email. So this is a part that application understands how to handle that. And we have a condition which is answers at files.com. So for example, uh, if I log in, uh, what happens? Well, actually, nothing happens right now because uh, we just changed uh, the calculation logic for this algorithm. And uh, I click here, and you can see that uh, basically our Fibonacci calculation happens quite quickly. So here we apply to this algorithm. If I log out, uh, it takes a bit longer to calculate because we use a recursive approach. Uh, so Fibonacci of 45 takes some time. This is just one of examples of a feature flag that just uh, changes algorithm. And uh, basically, that's it. So um, uh, you can define your own feature flags. You can define all the rules. Um, the conditions are quite flexible. Uh, you can also uh, manage defaults, etc. And basically, based on your user location or other values, you can alter how this behavior works. And the API right now is stupid simple. Uh, so the API uh, for default providers we have is just uh, this JSON file, which can uh, generate, be generated by the server side based on a few conditions. Um, and uh, well, it quite works. Uh, we can uh, take a look at uh, the observability backend. Uh, I have, uh, so if we go to the playground, uh, not play Scrabble, though we can try later. Um, okay, so if you go to playground, um, here one of examples we have in the bottom is actually monitoring. 
So we have open telemetry support. Uh, we uh, produce open telemetry by default. And here I have a running container with Zipkin uh, that actually just uh, uh, shows uh, our observability things. So right now, oh, we already have some traces submitted. So you can see that uh, the traces, uh, um, well, basically implementing our API. So we uh, get hex color value, we get message, we get uh, uh, for utils JSON, for example, for hex color right now, we can uh, show the trace. So you can see how it happens. So uh, we basically go through request and our API service processes it. Uh, well, quite a long time, and then basically uh, returns uh, the data back uh, from these different values. And here, for example, we know that the variant is blue. So based on our conditions, based on um, parameters we submitted, uh, we get that uh, we are basically blue. And here you can see that uh, there are some parameters which we pass. So this is an example. But this is a very simple example. I wanted to show you how I switch themes in Jenkins using feature flags, but it requires quite a lot of operating memory. So maybe next time. Um, and yeah, here, if you're interested, of course, you can uh, tinker with uh, these uh, files as much as you can. Uh, the format uh, is uh, defined in specification. And of course, it's just a demo. So the real specification is much bigger and uh, we still uh, try to extend it for different use cases. And soon, I hope we will start adopting uh, the projects. Uh, sorry, we will uh, have projects that adopt uh, this specification. So, for example, in Jenkins or in Captain or maybe uh, in Kubernetes or whatever project you maintain. Uh, if you implement the standard interface, maybe we know what features are missing and uh, what still needs to be added to specification so that we can support all these cases of feature flags by different projects, whether they already adopt uh, feature flags through existing vendor or open source project, or whether they just want to start using it. Okay, so any questions so far? So far so good, but folks remember, if you got questions, get them in the chat and we'll be happy to get to them accordingly. Mm -hmm. Okay, so for this file, uh, yeah, what I discovered in this demo, so full disclaimer, uh, that one of the things I tried to do is like that, and it will completely break the thing because we don't use proper text editor. As you can see, you can break it quite easily. And uh, for your information, control Z uh, doesn't work either. So you will have to restart the session if you break it. Uh, but uh, yeah, apart from the demo things, it's quite handy. And actually, instead of this demo, you can uh, connect uh, the same demo to any other backend. Uh, so for example, I was demoing uh, CloudBees feature management because I used to work uh, for CloudBees anymore, uh, before, but it again depends on my work laptop. Uh, but any implementation you would like to try out, uh, you can do that. And maybe I would recommend Go Feature Flag because it's something that you can just run. It's open source project. Um, and if you want, we can just try it out even now. Well, they use URL, but yeah, I think I will be able to get it working on Windows. Um, okay, why not? We, uh, we could probably try.
let's just stop everything then. So you can see that basically they got uh, two commands running JSON demo and also we had a service uh, that was providing backend. So we don't, uh, next time we will need UI, but we won't need uh, the service anymore. So let's uh, just try. Oh, actually, I have CURL installed. Actually, saves the time. So, yeah, now the most difficult part. Okay, uh, so I will uh, just uh, run a Go feature flag. So if you're interested to see what I'm running. So oh, we got we, we got a question. Yeah. And and it's not just from anybody. It's a wonderful person who's in the audience. Uh, Strimzy maintainer, Jakob Scholz. So mm -hmm. he's his question is this: I can see that in a big production environment with many deployments. Having a central feature flagging service adds value, but sometimes you just don't want to run yet another service. So what are the possibilities to use, for example, uh, environments, uh, sorry, ENV, VARS in development and test and some external feature flagging service in production? Yeah, of course, since we do development, we don't uh, want to run all the services, et cetera, on our own. So we have a few demo providers, so, or well, let's say providers that you can actually use in production as well. Environment variable provider, just some file provider. So let's say if you just package a container image, you can just uh, blast in a JSON file, or you can modify container uh, environment variables even in runtime if your system supports it, and you get these feature flags without any services. Alrighty. Um, got a little bit of delay always between the call and the YouTube, but he'll, I'm sure he'll follow up. So keep going. Thank you. Yeah. So let's see how is our Docker domain. Oh, go feature flag. Uh, so we have the interface running. Uh, just to show the project I'm showing to you is uh, go feature flag.org. It's one of open source projects. Uh, it's uh, again doing feature flag management. Of course, it's focused on cloud native system and on Golang, and we can use it. So I am going to just follow the demo steps uh, which are presented there. So run three of these commands, I did it. Then uh, we launch the demo, but uh, we launched the demo with um, all feature flag demo because it uh, changes the provider. And so later you, we can uh, take a look at the NPM settings, but basically it just changes the provider configuration so that uh, our backend knows uh, uh, what to talk to. And I guess we still need uh, um, okay. Is it already live? Not yet. Uh, so let's uh, take a look what uh, does uh, go feature plug? No, uh, we didn't expose interface there. Okay, so that is not. I, mm, just a second. 
well, due to the reason, I guess it's uh, just one of uh, the leftovers because uh, the port changed. Uh, but here we can just uh, show the same in the UI, uh, which is still available. So I will run another CMD command and then Source open feature. Okay, let's see whether we were able to connect another backend. Uh, I'm not sure. And if not, uh, something definitely wrong. Uh, didn't go right in the demo because we should see the interface here actually. Not found. Okay. So the, I guess if it doesn't work, the key takeaway from this demo, never do demos without testing, <laughs> right? That's okay, it's, it's good to live dangerously sometimes. Yeah, let's, let's see, I wasn't even planning to show it, but since we have some time, so you can see that uh, there is a bunch of logs here. And uh, you can see that system went completely sideways because uh, it's trying to load configuration, which is not available. It tries to connect to the system, which is not available. So I guess uh, something went wrong with uh, uh, configuration for Go Feature Flag Demo. Let's see whether we get observability running for this use case. Uh, because yeah, this is actually when you go to observability, you see what the heck is going on. And let's see. So since it, it goes to DNS lookup, I guess nothing good is going to happen here, right? Uh, so go feature flag new. Mm, so it tries to do HTTP post and then it basically never returns. And here, well, basically the same. So we can, we can see the trace of the request and we do not see any response. So I wonder whether we should get more diagnostics when there is no response from the service in this case, but well, at least we know where it gets stuck. It can just kind of discover the service it's looking for. Okay, demo failed, but you can uh, try it on your own. Um, and yeah, I'll take a look what's going on uh, tonight. So probably I will submit a pull request for the fix. Okay, uh, I'll spend a few minutes to just show where we are going with uh, open feature. Uh, so um, the initial plan was to do a better release in August. Uh, well, now it's August, so obviously we are not exactly there yet, but uh, we plan to. Um, so we are getting feedback, we are preparing uh, to the release of the specification. We are still finishing some bits before it can be done. Um, and uh, there is roadmap which actually shows where we stand at the moment. So uh, the project is fully open and uh, you know, all the roadmaps, etc., are also publicly available. So here you can see mostly roadmap for specification. So we have uh, a bunch of things already landed. So currently in progress, uh, Mike Beamer, uh, he's my colleague, he's working on semantic convention for open telemetry. We also have some items for logging. And yeah, version mismatch behavior uh, because we want to have version for specification. 
and the context propagation is also one of the topics which still needs to be finished because it's uh, the most painful ones and pretty much the same for other companies so for example there is some research happening and going on uh, there are some SDKs as i've already presented uh, and uh, many other things so you can just go here and uh, uh, you can see um, uh, uh, where the project stands uh, we uh, definitely want to have release by KubeCon so that we could present there and uh, there will be a number of events including uh, up delivery day um, where this uh, project can be discussed and where hopefully we will have some presentations happening as well as, well as at, uh, the main KubeCon. And from the community side, as always, the project is open for contributions. Uh, we established public governance, so if uh, you can find all these governance materials here, I believe it's not interesting to almost everyone on the call, but if you're interested in how the community organized, etc., etc., all of that is here. Uh, key stand was open governance, so everything happens in open. Uh, we have Slack channel uh, where you can participate, uh, channels, um, and uh, all the decisions are made by consensus, so there is no dominating company. Um, and for example, if we take uh, the current governance, uh, um, so we have uh, a governing committee with five people to our backend for uh, joining adopters and also technical steering committee with uh, three members. So this is how it works at the moment. From the community standpoint, so what we actually want to do, um, so we want to have more integrations, more um, adoption. Um, I believe that open features would be available for evaluation. So if you're interested to try it out, just do that. There is flag D, which is super handy. It's just a decurized container. Uh, oh, sorry, decurized application uh, with all the interfaces exposed. You can try it out, you can develop it, or as it was mentioned, you can just take a JSON file for testing. Um, and currently, we definitely uh, want to get more feedback from users to understand what's missing in the specification, what additional uh, values uh, and use cases you would like to get covered by open feature. And once we get enough feedback, uh, the better release would happen. When the general availability release happens, I do not know. I think it will take quite some time before it happens, but ultimately it depends on contributions. And um, everyone is definitely welcome to contribute. Um, so if you want to try it out, then uh, there is open feature playground, which uh, the repository I've shown. You can connect it with whatever backend. Uh, well, hopefully it works, uh, not as it happened during my demo. Uh, but yeah, this is one of the ways to try it out. Uh, also, you can uh, take your project because it doesn't take long uh, to get it running. Let's say with Java application, you just connect uh, um, uh, the library, connect it to the service by default, and start using it. If you're interested to participate, uh, there is a Slack channel. The Slack channel is currently as a part of is a part of the CNCF Slack. So if you're there, you can uh, join. Uh, also, there are regular project meetings on Thursdays. Um, next Thursday, there will be a meeting, for example. And you can also join interested parties. So this is our list. Uh, um, we add everyone who joins to our mailing list, the distribution. Um, and uh, also, you can just start participating in the community. So here's our honorable list of people who want to participate. and. Uh, Hopefully, we, through this uh, number of participants, we will also get uh, adoption quite soon. 
And again, any feedback is interesting. Any is the case would be definitely interesting because there are so many technologies in the world and somebody will eventually need to, to implement this SDKs for them. Um, right now, it's not available for all the languages. I can see the writing C++ one just to refresh uh, my C++ knowledge, but I assume that nobody really wants uh, me to write it. Uh, so yeah, let's see. And here's a bunch of links. You can just uh, open this presentation and uh, find everything. So uh, did we get any additional questions? Yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. One one thing one thing that you know you were mentioning earlier about you know open telemetry having so much growth and I think a lot of times mm -hmm. Kubernetes is such a big protagonist you know and gets a lot of attention and we all love it. However, there seem to be some things in open telemetry that, given that growth, and as someone who's been involved in lots of open source projects for quite some time, what do you find about open telemetry that's so attractive and why there why we see those numbers in growth and what we can expect in the future. Uh, yes, yeah, so for open telemetry, I believe uh, that uh, the main reason why it uh, evolves so quickly that it's open specification, not just an open project, and that uh, everyone needs observability. We reached uh, when open telemetry started. Well, it didn't start as open telemetry, it started as multiple projects like open sensors, etc. Um, and even now, projects are in different states. So, for example, uh, uh, traceability is, let's say, G, but uh, logs uh, and metrics are not. But open telemetry basically becomes a hub for all kinds of open uh, telemetry for your applications. And maybe there will be more some products happening later. Uh, why it got so popular? Nobody wants uh, to create uh, their own libraries. So I work for Dynatrace. Yeah, Dynatrace is quite successful when it comes to application monitoring. We have our own implementation, but yeah, it uh, takes quite a lot of people to maintain it. Uh, and uh, this uh, no way. So we provide it to customers. This is how uh, we operate. This is how we get money. Um, and uh, for open telemetry, Again, for us, it's quite interesting because if your application isn't compatible, so our agent, for example, one agent, it knows how to work with JVM, et cetera. It uh, connects to it. It extracts data from common frameworks, let's say like JT, et cetera. And everything is written by our awesome developers who know how to do it and how to do it quickly. But um, it's still not possible to support all frameworks in the world. I mean, uh, as we speak today, I guess uh, there will uh, two or three new NPM frameworks created, right? Um, and um, for that, uh, there is alternative approach. Instead of implementing code text integration on your own, you can rely on open standard as an open source project or as a, a vendor. You can uh, implement the standard specification and then uh, all the bits, just, uh, they just uh, start working together. So for vendors, it was useful because they didn't have to maintain all these integrations. Um, they could still get value from what they had data. So even if you have submission to open telemetry, uh, you can have Prometheus uh, storage, et cetera, et cetera, for analytics with Grafana, or you can have uh, tools like Datadog or Dynatrix, which are super efficient, or you can take Zipkin from open source, Jaeger, uh, uh, it depends on your choice, on your budget, et cetera, et cetera. But ultimately, data and how you handle that um, is where the value is. Traceability events itself became a commodity. So there is no point for many to implement uh, this uh, uh, submission data and open standards. You can do it in some cases for better performance, et cetera, like we do at Dynatrace. 
but for majority of applications, we don't do it. Uh, so, uh, so you just connect open telemetry, get data, and it was beneficial for users, for vendors, uh, and for everyone in the middle. So the project started uh, to go wrong rapidly. Mm -hmm. And uh, at some point, if you have a huge collaboration between companies, uh, then uh, FOMA starts for others. Because uh, if you're a vendor that is not integrated with OpenTelemetry, at the moment you are going to have a hard time selling it uh, to your customers. So this is where the project basically becomes dominant. And this is uh, where, well, basically integrating with it becomes a table stake. So if you can reach with your project a state when it's a must-have to integrate uh, with your project. Like, mm -hmm. For example, at some point it happened with Jenkins. You may like or may not like thousands of integrations, plugins, etc. Well, Jenkins is quite notorious, but it happened with Jenkins. At some point, uh, you had to uh, have a plugin if you wanted to be a part of CI toolchain. Uh, so now it happens with open telemetry. Hopefully, it will happen with open feature and uh, the same with many other uh, tools and frameworks. Uh, so, for open source, it's a really sweet spot if you find a way to convince everyone that they need it. At some point, uh, basically, you don't have to invest in adoption because others will have to come to you and adopt uh, your project anyway. Very good points. And like you said, creating a thriving, robust ecosystem where if you're a vendor and you're not there, then that's going to be a problem. So like it's, it just, it's like you said, that's a, a very strong reason for why it's continued to have the success and growth that it's seen. One question, because you mentioned something about frameworks, but a question that we had from the audience from Ravi was, will open feature get more programming languages support? Of course. So uh, now as developers, uh, we try to uh, limit the number of SDKs. Because uh, when the specification is moving target uh, before the release, uh, maintaining multiple SDKs is quite an overhead. Uh, so we have a number of SDKs, basically what uh, people need for the tinkering, uh, and everyone is welcome to integrate, implement it. For example, uh, there was a contributor who needed a .NET SDK, and they came and created .NET SDK, and it's great. Uh, one, uh, the once uh, the specification stabilizes. Uh, then, of course, there will be more investment in this ecosystem. Uh, but uh, right now, having a stable specification would be a priority from my standpoint. Okay, very good. Um, very active roadmap, a lot of things happening, open feature. That being said, we are getting towards the, the end of our conversation. You mentioned this, but just go back to the, the notion of observability present throughout the talk. Something that we've talked about in the data on Kubernetes community, and you, and you briefly mentioned it as well too, is observability something that's going to be moving over? Or how do you see observability when it comes to the data space? As you said, you know, data is the most valuable asset or one of the most valuable assets an organization can have. When we talk about observability related to data, what are your thoughts on that? What are your expectations for the future? Well, I think that observability data actually became important long ago because before it was called observability, it was called application monitoring. And companies like Dynatrace, Datadog, and many other vendors, Somologic, whatever, all of them appeared not today, not one year ago, but long before. And for big customers, for big enterprises that have huge infrastructures, it was already a table stake to have application monitoring and having insights into what happens in their systems. With Kubernetes, with a lot of microservices, with containers, I mean, well, basically single shot ones, all infrastructure became 
kind of fluid. So everything changes every minute. And without observability, you just won't be able to troubleshoot what happens in your system. So observability became a must. And this is why we uh, see so huge growth of open source ecosystem around observability. Uh, for example, I'm personally a big fan of cloud events. So cloud events uh, is one of the way to messaging between systems and open source ways. I always put a cloud events part of uh, open source observability ecosystem because I believe that it's very important part, not less important uh, uh, that uh, open telemetry. And uh, what happens next? There will be more implementations, more vendors, uh, and uh, hopefully more contributors. Uh, now, probably there is a kind of explosion. So like it happens, dozens of parallel projects, some of them will succeed, some of them won't. Uh, but eventually the ecosystem will stabilize and I believe that open feature as a standard will be one of the consolidation points for the ecosystem. Good to hear that. And you heard it straight from the source, folks. So we will see what happens. Looking forward to what's going to be going on the next KubeCon with the updates about open feature. Really easy to get involved. You've got all the links, everybody. You got the link to the, the slides as well, which has even more links. Um, you can reach out, as, as Oleg mentioned, there is a Slack channel in the CNCF. Um, to get involved and it, it sounds like a very growing and thriving community before we finish you know in our, in our own sort of artistic sense of observability while you've been giving this amazing talk we have our wonderful artist angel who created an artistic depiction observing what you were talking about and put it into artistic form um so it's an, always a nice thing to sort of touch on as we finish and a reminder about these are things that we need to celebrate. There's lots of cool stuff going on here. This is an incredible talk. I, I regret that this is the first time we're having you on uh, the Data on Kubernetes community live stream. Certainly not the last. Hope to get a submission from someone in Open Feature or in Kepton or one of the many other projects that you're involved in for DOK Day on October 24th. Oleg, this mm -hmm. was a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, and thanks for inviting me. All right, take care, everybody. We'll see you soon.